Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit shapebyfaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith. We shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. My guest today is Craig Brown. He's a public speaker and author, as well as the recovery pastor and director at Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland, since 1999. In his 20-years-plus As a recovery pastor, he's helped thousands of people, including business owners, professional leaders, to find the healing and freedom from shame in Christ that delivers us from pain, guilt, and shame. He's a former radio local sales manager at Salem Communications, and Craig lives in the Washington, D.C. area with his wife and three sons. In his new book, Stop Hiding, Start Healing, Craig shares his years of experience like I was saying in the intro, helping just thousands of people through Christ-centered recovery, discovering how to be set free, and everyone needs that, from the pain, the shame, and guilt of their past, so that they can live a life of freedom, meaning, and purpose. Amen to that. Welcome, Craig, to Shape by Faith. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, Craig, I would love to get right to it. And um, you've got a story of transformation um, that's allowed you to share internationally your message of hope, freedom through Christ from shame, guilt and pain. So I would love for our listeners to hear your background growing up and what your family relationships were like for you. Sure. Um, Yeah, I grew up in, uh, you know, a church home. Uh, My dad was an Episcopal minister. And um, I just loved as a young, you know, young kid growing up in the church. I was that preacher's kid that uh, all the old ladies in church used to love and give money and candy and everything. And I just, you know, I I just loved every bit of that. Uh, The life of the church was fun. It was a great environment to be in. Uh, But unfortunately, most of the congregation didn't know what was going on behind the closed doors. And often we don't, you know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But. My family, you know, we all think our families are fairly perfect until we realize they are, they weren't. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was much, you know, much later in life as an adult, I realized that. But my dad was um, somewhat of a narcissist and he had major anger problems and uh, and struggled with his own demons. Um, And my sisters and I were kind of the, the, you know, we, we received a lot of that behind closed doors. So what I saw from the pulpit uh, was far different than what I saw uh around the kitchen table or at home um and his anger and just um you know he was rather detached um we really didn't have much of a relationship you know as much as a young boy wants his that's his dad that's his hero um i was proud of the work he did I, i thought it was great um but he just wasn't involved in my life or my sister's lives and you know our whole life young and our young life was to make dad look good i mean mm. oh believe me and if we didn't we hurt, we felt it and we we heard it um but our whole life was like that and wow. so i had no identity you know i was father brown's son um mm-hmm. all throughout my youth and what have you and i was striving trying to get his approval and trying to find my own mission and purpose in life and you know i i it, uh, i was just struggling I, you know, uh, you know, emotionally and mentally, spiritually. Um, but, you know, I just uh, it was there was such a void in my life. So uh, all throughout my youth and my, you know, I was very talented. I was an athlete. I was, mm-hmm. I, was I should have played college basketball. I, there was so 
but I had zero support at home. And gosh, I would bring a, you know, I worked so hard for that B and how come he didn't get an A or, you know, and why do you have to go to practice and basketball is taking up so much of your time? And well, something I love and it's something I'm really good at, but they didn't, you know, I wasn't supported at all. And, and that was true in a lot of different ways. And I had no mentor, no guide, no, no, uh, you know, um, you know, father of the faith. My dad, that was his role, but he, you know, did it well for the parishioners. They loved him, but not with us at home. And so, you know, I just really struggled. And that's what kind of, you know, I'm into high school and then, and, you know, into the scene, into the party scene and everything else. And then I'm like, wow, I'm accepted here, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's where addiction really begins is that you want to fit in and uh, fitting in is so harmful, man. When you don't have any self-discipline or, uh, you know, self-control, if you don't have, and I certainly didn't have any spiritual uh, discipline, any, you know, uh, at all, uh, even though we were in the church, uh, but seeds were planted that then came to fruit much later in my life, which is what set me free from being in that, you know, pit of um, uh, uh, addiction. But uh, but I just I entered into that lifestyle. I, I entered in. It welcomes everybody, mm-hmm. and I was trying to find find you know uh, some acceptance or somewhere. And I was the life of the party type of guy. And I was just, you know, I fit right in. And unfortunately, it just took me to the depths of depression, of darkness, of bondage. And it nearly killed me. Wow. Well, it sounds like you were under a lot of pressure as a child growing up, just listening to your story. I mean, that is a lot of pressure, um, you know, Mm -hmm. when your father's in the pulpit and, and, and he is great there, but at home he's different. And what about your mother, Craig? What was she like? Uh, enabler. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, made that you know making making dad look good. Right, and you know kids need their own identity. They also need to know that they're being supported and loved. And and I'm not saying all children go in that direction, but a right. lot of them do. When when you don't know who you are and you don't have that good support system, um, yeah. I I can definitely see where it led to that. Okay, so you're in high school and you started. Uh, did you start using drugs then? Um, not really. No, okay. it was mostly drinking in high school. Okay. Um, the drugs really didn't enter in until I got to college, but I dropped out. Excuse me. And then I, I came back to Washington, D.C., and I worked. I, I began work at an establishment owned by, unbeknownst to me at the time. I, I heard a rumor, but I didn't know until I got in. But this, this business was owned by the biggest cocaine dealer on the East Coast in the early 80s. So I just got sucked up into that drug world. It was everywhere. And wow. if you if you go back and remember, you know, cocaine was just um, just took over so many you know, major cities and what have you. And it, everybody had it. It was just it was that's horrible. right. And people could work while they still abuse cocaine. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they so, still do. Yes. I mean, you yes. Know, you know, opioids that people are functioning in our society and they're uh, they are in such bondage, whether it's pornography uh, opioids, uh, you know, alcohol, uh, you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just rampant. And it's not just, what you mentioned earlier was so true is that when you don't have that, that foundation at home or that nurturing at home in your emotional mental well being, and it's not just drugs that people run to, it's just other things to fill that void, you know, relationships work, um, you know, and all these, there's, you know, pick one. And yes. jelly, we do. Yes. I just happened to pick that. 
And so many and, people get into abusive relationships because of that background yes. as well. I mean, they're they not do. doing it with intention. They just, oh, you know, no. find themselves there because they, they just need someone's love and attention and however they can get it. Teresa, we have in our ministry, we have the best women. Oh my gosh, that we have served over the last 23 years who have been in those situations. You know, that relationship with dad was just horrendous. He was an alcoholic or he was abusive. He was angry. He was detached. Or, and, you know, uh, we have story after story, testimony after testimony of those uh, just beautiful women that were able to be set free. They, they, you know, they got into a bad marriage, bad relationship, multiple relationships, and set, finding that love and until God until they finally surrendered and God's love and, you know, just uh, replaced everything that had been taken from them. And to see them be set free is, is just remarkable. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And, you know, when, when you do surrender yourself before the Lord, no matter yeah. what's happened in your past, when you decide to surrender yourself, it's almost like he makes up for all that time, you know, uh, that you yes. lost. I mean, he, he does. And, and I'm a testimony to that. And he is just an amazing God, an amazing father. Uh, we need to take a really quick break right here, Craig. Okay. So okay. Uh, we will be back with more Shape by Welcome back to Shape by Faith. My guest today is Craig Brown. He's a public speaker and he's the author of Stop Hiding, Start Healing. We're going to hear all about that as well as a recovery pastor and director at the Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland, right outside of Washington. DC. Um, Craig, your, your story, I bet so many people that are listening right now can relate to it. No matter, you know, where they are, they can definitely relate. And sad to say, a lot of people did not have the best childhood, although maybe on the outside, it looked like they did. I wanted yeah. to ask, how did you stop your downward spiral with addiction? Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, growing up in the church, um, even though I didn't, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't give my life to the Lord until much later, or did I ever capture the relationship with the Lord, uh, or even realize there was a, uh, that relationship of forgiveness of love of grace and mercy. The seeds were planted when I was very young. Okay. But they laid dormant. They just laid dormant and the, and the Lord, you know, allows us to go down our path, whatever path we choose. And I chose a horrible path that took me right to the, the pit of addiction. So I ended, I, 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 I was in that darkness and in that bondage for years. Okay. And part of me is, is looking around wondering how, how, and I know a lot of, uh, you know, having served so many different people that have struggled like I have, you get to a point where you're looking around and you're wondering how in the world did I end up here? How did I get here? Mm -hmm. And there's another part of us that is like, I've got to get out. I've got to get out of here. And I don't, I'm not going to share all the gory details, but I, you know, I had near death experiences. I had injuries. I had illness. I had, you know, I hurt people. People hurt me. It was just horrible. Absolutely horrific. 1985 comes along and it's my birthday and it's in July and I had this epiphany and I realized, you know, um, if I don't change, if I do not change, I'm going to end up dead. I just know it. And it was one of those revelations that the Lord, uh, that, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit, whether you know him or not, the, mm -hmm. you know, the Lord's hand is always on us no matter where we are, because when we were sinners, he died 
for us. And he loves us so much that he will hover until we're ready. Mm-hmm. And he was there and it gave me just a brief revelation. That was, that, was, and that happened. But I could take, so I extricated myself from that whole, it, it took me the determination and self-discipline that I didn't think I had, but I did. And I got out of that environment. It took me months to, to just get out and get sober, get clean, get, you know, clarity of mind. And I did, but I was, but, but I was out of there for six or seven years, but I was still miserable, Teresa. I was oh, wow. still in so much pain. Nothing was going right in my life, but I, w- I didn't have any drugs or drinking that I was relying on. But here's the here's here was the major turning point. Of all things, I get that phone call that none of us like to get, and that is my sister calls me and said, "Dad's dying." Wow. Now, as I shared earlier, I didn't really have much of a relationship with I loved him. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Do not mistake. I loved my dad and I longed for a relationship with him. But when I got that phone call and my sister said, we got to get to the hospital. I went into that intensive care unit. I stood by my dad's bedside as essentially he was bleeding internally. He had a major operation. They couldn't stop the bleeding. And it was a matter of hours, whether he'd make it or not. And I stood by his bedside and that's where the Lord brought me. That's where he brought me right there by his bedside. And Teresa, the first chapter of my book is when the pain is greater than your fear, Mm. we change. Well, the pain in my life, and I'm talking about every pain I'd experienced from as little as I was, young as I was until that day came roaring to before me. And I could not take it. That was it. I mean, here's the one guy I wanted in my life to just love me, Mm -hmm. tell me he's proud of me, put his arm around me, guide me. And he was going to die. And Teresa, uh, my whole life changed right, right then and there. So my whole perspective. But the very next day, I didn't know how to do it. No one taught me how to pray it. No one taught me a sinner's prayer. No one taught me anything other than I had a daily word my mother had sent me that I devoured over the previous months. And I just got down on my knees and I cried for over an hour. And I said, I said, Lord, come into my life. God, I can't do this anymore. I, I take my pain, take my shame, take everything in my life, Lord, and come in and save me and heal me. And believe it or not, in that very moment, and I, it was miraculous. I'd never experienced anything before, but he, my whole life changed in that very instant. And uh, he began to heal and set me free wow. because I, I released the pain. I, I, I was no longer afraid no longer afraid and i've been that's been a long that was you know we're talking uh 30 some years ago mm-hmm. um and even as i share it now i just remember how miraculous that was and uh, that was my turning point that's when my that's when i began to heal that's when i began to go from brokenness to wholeness that's when i began to just be uh, you know deal with every bit of my life the defects and everything and hand them over to the lord and i did Wow. You know, when we do release our pain, Craig, to the Lord, as you you just explained beautifully, um, the healing process begins because people disappoint us, especially the ones that we really want to love. Yeah. You know, they yeah. we want love from them and, and they may not give it to us, but God never disappoints us. And, and there's just something, of course, supernatural 
about his love and about his healing that no one else can bring. And God knew you were ready at that point. I mean, look at you now, recovery pastor. Um, as a recovery pastor, what's the first step you take to help someone struggling with their pain? Um, well, first of all is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. And a lot of people that are struggling in their life are, are yearning for sympathy. Oh, please feel sorry for me. Oh, please do whatever you can for me. Oh, please. You know, and I, I, I err on the side of grace and empathy and also truth. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is, you know, the path you're on, the things you're doing in your life is you're going to continue the crazy cycle in your life and the path of destruction. That's the truth. The grace is. Uh, there is a way for you to be completely set free. There's a power greater than any of us. There's a love greater than any of us that you, that is available to you, that if you haven't consumed it, if you haven't opened up your every bit of your heart to it, um, you're missing out. And getting them to realize, and, and that's why I love about, you know, um, you know, churches where the gospel is being preached, where it's authentic, uh, real, and where Christ-centered recovery is, happening is that you have real people dealing with real life issues. And once you get that person into that environment, out of isolation, into an environment where they realize they're not the only ones, boy, there's power in that. There is a great amount of power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, Lazarus from the grave, healed the blood, is available to each and every one of us. And being real with people, Craig, is so important. I mean, people can see through a person, whether they know you or not, they can. They, they can see if you're being real with them or not or truthful with them, and yes. they need that. I mean, because maybe you're the first person in their life in over 20-plus years has actually been real with them and truthful. Well, that's happened, Teresa. Oh, I yeah. mean, it just ignites them. It's like it does something. It's that supernatural. Like, you know, Jesus spoke the truth. Of course, he, he is the truth, and he was real with people. But he also, yeah. like you said, showed empathy like you do. Um, how many people, uh, I'm not going to get, I don't want a number, but as a recovery pastor, um, have you seen in the past years, would you say? Um, um, how many, oh gosh, over 23 years, you mean 23. Oh, okay. You've been doing this for 23 years. That's a long time. So you've seen a lot of people. You've seen a lot of people, thousands Uh, in different situations too, I'm sure. Yeah, I share a few of them in my book, um, but I, I, I have had the absolute privilege, and I mean it's a privilege to be be where God asks, "Hey, I'm working over here, and I want you to help me." Mm-hmm. Um, what I did for you, I'm going to do for all these for whoever wants to step forward and ask, but and I want you to help me with that. What an honor, Teresa! Yeah, it, it is absolutely. There's no greater. There's no, uh, you know, aside from my family, my wife and my boys. And, you know, it's just from it's just and I, I'm on the front line mm-hmm. every week, you know, every week I'm on the front line. And I, I, have uh, you know, I'm not doing this a disservice by saying a front row seat to seeing a miracle after miracle. And it's incredible. It's just it is now, an not honor. Yes. Yeah, not everybody, you know, gets it, but that's OK. In that's their right. due time, I, I pray. I every every week and uh, when we're together, I pray that people leave differently than when they that when they when they arrive that there was something planted something, and you may leave and never come back, or you might come back months later. I've had testimonies of people that tried it, fifteen years later came back. 
and they were ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to take a real quick break here. Okay. We'll be. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Craig Brown is my guest. He's the author of Stop Hiding, Start Healing. So in your book, Craig, you say that people are ready to overcome their addiction when their pain exceeds their fear. Um, what do you mean by that? Um, well, all of us deal with fear, number one. Secondly, we all deal with pain. Matter of fact, those that come to our ministry, two out of three come because of pain, not necessarily addiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um Pain is a common denominator that we all deal with, right? And let's go back to Genesis chapter three. When they, when Adam and Eve were busted, uh, they immediately, what did they do? They immediately hid, they ran and they tried to, and they hid from God and they were separated from God. They also experienced fear. They also experienced shame. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not that we should be uh, surprised that when pain presents itself, our first reaction is to run from it, just like Adam and Eve did. It's been going right. on since then. You're right. And that's our first, that's our first reaction. Oh gosh. I versus now, let me give you an, an example. When Israelites were at the bank of the Red Sea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and let, let's say that Red Sea represents addiction, uh, un, uh, uh, trouble in marriage, trouble with kids, dealing with shame, dealing with pain. Well, what people don't, people seem to forget that God, you know, we pray, say, God, remove this, take this from me, right? Yes. Where, and, the, and they, the Israelites get to the, to the bank, and all of a sudden, did he remove it? No, mm-hmm. no, he made a way through it. That's right. That is what the That's church good. is about, and that is what Christ-centered recovery is about. Instead of running from your pain, instead of just saying, God, remove it, please take it, please take it. No, he wants us to walk through it and to work through it. And that has everything to do with addiction. Yes, Lord, please take this from me. Please take this from me. Okay, but you're going to have to do a little work. Mm -hmm. And he's been a path. And that path may be that neighbor who's been there and back, that he's a messenger he's sending your way to help you. That could be that recovery group that's in your church that you're afraid to go to. And why we are afraid and why we remain in our trouble and our pain, our shame, our guilt is because of shame. The enemy, it comes straight from the pit of hell. That's right. And that's why, that's why I titled my book, Stop Hiding, Start Healing, because over 26 years at Church of the Redeemer, where we've been worshiping, and 23 years of being involved in christ Center recovery, I see far too many people coming to hide instead of heal. Mm. And it's because of their shame. You yes. know, whatever they did in their past, whatever they're currently doing, they're leading in church, serving in church, hands lifted, they're speaking in tongues, whatever. But at the same time, they're in bondage. They don't want anybody to know. They're scared to death about letting anybody know that their marriage is in trouble. They had abuse of the past. They had an abortion in the past. They, you know, they had divorce or they had to have an addiction or something. Come on. The church was created, created for each and every one of us to bring that to, to the cross. And right. I just see far too many people hiding from it but until the pain is greater than their fear of shame or of people finding out about it. Mm, that's well, how can the church better address pain, shame and addiction oh, and, and mental health, Craig? Come on, man. Oh. <laughs> oh, I know. I Are we doing you that? Asked, you and I should do a series. <laughs> we should be doing a, a week long series on that. Oh, the church has so much work to do. Uh, you know, I, 
We do. We have so much work. Well, to do, and but, right. And the church is made up of people and, and so many is. people are hurting and people within it's the church are hurting people, yeah. you know, in leadership positions still have not dealt with pain, you know, right. so. Um, oh, absolutely. You advise against identifying as an addict. So in most programs, yeah. the first step is honesty. So do yeah. you disagree with that? Oh, I do. I, you'll never you have never heard me anybody refer to or any. You've never heard me ever refer to anybody as an addict or an alcoholic. I agree. No, I agree you with you. It's a yeah. stigma. Why do I want to be in a group where I have to stand up and I say I'm an addict? That's right. Why, yeah. Why put a sign on yourself? I mean, you're it's a child a of God. You're redeemed. Right. And that, forgiven. <laughs> Lisa, that is the difference between secular recovery and Christ centered recovery. Mm. Christ centered recovery is I'm a man of God and mm -hmm. I happen to struggle with this. Yeah. Versus secular recovery. Hi, I'm an alcoholic and I'm always going to be an alcoholic and I'm always going to be an addict. And mm -hmm. that stigma is going to remain with me and it's attached to me. And I, here I am. I'm, I'm working, trying to break free from it, be set free from it. But I keep labeling, labeling myself that that is why. Oh, don't get me started. Well, anyway. and it's toxic uh, thinking. It's like someone saying, I'm fat. I'm fat. And I'm always going uh, to be yeah. fat. Yes. I mean, stop yeah. saying that. <laughs> no, speak it. You, I know. And that, that's the negative self-talk that the enemy just breathes. Yes. Because our words and, are so powerful. The Lord says absolutely. that. Yeah. yeah. No, you identify my identity. Our identity is, uh, is I'm a child of God. That's I'm right. a man of God or you're a woman of God. Yes. And yes, we happen to struggle with these things. But that's not. But it's not see, who we are. No, but when we're in the midst of our pain or addiction or whatever that is, that's all right. That's the identity we take on. It's all we know. It becomes our it becomes our comfort uh, zone. You're right. right? Until well, we're set free and we we pivot and realize, oh my gosh, no, my identity is in Christ. Absolutely. I embrace everything that the cross represents. I embrace everything the cross represents. God did not create addicts. That's right. That's right. Now, Craig, we could go on and on and we probably need to continue this conversation uh, sometime soon. But where can people find out more information about you and your book? Sure. They can go to my website, StopHidingStartHealingBook.com. StopHidingStartHealingBook.com. I'm also on Facebook on my Facebook page, Stop Hiding, Start Healing. Okay, Craig, thank you so much for coming on. You gave us some really good, valuable information today, and I am certain it will help a lot of people. I hope so, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. I'm Teresa Rowe. Everyone have a blessed day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit shapebyfaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more. From the cabinet doors and more studio.